Leave it to this Orioles team. After one of their more heartbreaking losses of the season to a division rival on Tuesday night, one night later, they put together one of their most complete victories of the year, taking out the Blue Jays by a score of 7 to nothing. And I'll break it all down coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, August 24th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap a big-time Orioles win over the Blue Jays on Wednesday night. I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 7-0 victory over the Jays, including a great Dean Kramer start and Anthony Santander returning to the lineup with not just one, but two big blasts for the Orioles. Then we'll talk about some news that the O's got on Wednesday, starting with Jack Flaherty, who was scratched from the start he was supposed to make on Wednesday, and some interesting reasoning where we really didn't get a full picture of what's going on with Flaherty, so we'll talk about what happens next with him and the Orioles' rotation. And then finally, some O's news and notes having to do with Austin Voth returning, Mike Bauman going to AAA, and Tyler Wells having some success in his first AAA relief outing on Wednesday night. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Bunches. Download the Bunches app today, and when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Locked On MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click the link in the description or the show notes to join the Locked On MLB Bunch community today. So let's start this one with an Orioles win. Final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Wednesday night is the Orioles 7 and the Toronto Blue Jays nothing as the O's extend their streak to 80 consecutive series without being swept, dating back to the series before they called up Adley Rutschman last May. And the O's, after losing Game 1 in the 10th inning, come back with a 7-0 victory. They even this three-game set up at one game apiece, setting up the rubber match tonight. The O's, with the win, get back over 30 games, over 578-48. Unfortunately, once again, the Colorado Rockies could not hold a lead. Talked about it yesterday, how the Rockies led the Rays 4-3 in the 8th inning on Tuesday and gave up 9 runs in the 8th. This one was maybe even worse. Rockies led 5-3 heading into the ninth, gave up two runs in the ninth inning, left the bases loaded on a play at first base that looked like Isak Paredes was safe and should have been a walk-off in the ninth. Rockies get a gift from the review booth to send it to extra innings. Of course, they don't score in the top of the tenth. Brandon Lau walks it off in the bottom of the tenth, and the Rays beat the Rockies 6-5 in ten innings. So... The Orioles' division lead remains just two games over the Rays. Spin zone, good side of that is, well, the Orioles have that exact Rockies team coming up next this weekend. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 7-0 win over the Blue Jays on Wednesday night. And the first thing you need to know is Dean Kramer stepped in beautifully for the Orioles in this one. We'll get to why he had to start this game in just a second when he was initially scheduled to start the Thursday game of this series. 
But either way, Kramer went in there and he dominated. Dean Kramer, six scoreless innings for the O's on Wednesday night against a good Blue Jays order. Allowed just five hits, struck out five, did not walk a soul. Took him 94 pitches to get through six innings, and the Jays only had five hard-hit balls against him. And I was really impressed by Kramer because it didn't really start off well. I mean, he allowed two base runners in the first inning, was able to get out of that inning despite throwing 28 pitches in the first had a little bit of a laborious second as well. I mean, he was well over 40 pitches through two innings. And then he just started to cruise a little bit. Starting in the third, he he threw more strikes. He got into a lot of 3-2 counts. I believe he was in seven 3-2 counts on the night, which isn't great. And it's a big reason that your pitch count can get run up at any point. But he started to get more and more efficient as the game went on. Had a 1-2-3 third. Did allow a two-out single in the fourth, but that was it. Got himself three batters faced in the fifth after a leadoff single. Got a double play and a ground out. And then in the sixth, allowed a two-out single and just locked it back in. Got Vladdy Jr. to pop out and got himself through six innings. I was once again impressed by Kramer. And, you know, he had just gone to the six-man rotation. Now he has to go back to a five-man rotation style starting a day earlier than he thought because Jack Flaherty was scratched. And it was still very impressive. You know, it was 10 whiffs on 47 swings. It wasn't the most dominant night of the year for Dean Kramer, but once again, he was heavy fastball. I mean, almost 50% four-seam fastball, a lot of cutters, a lot of sinkers. That's what he's been doing all year long, and it just worked again against this Blue Jay order. Kramer, he just continues to kind of confound me because the peripherals aren't good, but I mean, we're in late August here at this point for Dean Kramer, and he's still pitching well, and you know, a 4-3-1 ERA isn't amazing, but he has starts like this a good amount of times. And it helps the O's every time he goes out there. Second thing you need to know from this victory is Anthony Santander returned to the Orioles lineup. He had been out since Saturday. The last time he played was Friday night in Oakland with a little bit of a back injury, some soreness that kept him out. He returns to the lineup Wednesday. And not only did he return to the lineup, but he flashed the power and really snapped out of a slump as well. Not only was he injured, but he was not hitting well. Coming into this game, was hitting just 190. In the month of August, well, that started to turn around here in this one. Santander goes two for four with a couple of solo home runs in this game and three hard hit balls. Now, the day didn't start out well for Santander. He struck out on three pitches against Kevin Gosman in the first inning in his first at bat. And you thought, oh boy, the back is not okay. And then after that, it was certainly okay. Had a hard hit line out in the third inning. Then the fifth inning solo homer off Gosman gave the Orioles a 2 nothing lead. Hit at 100 miles per hour off the bat, 393 feet into right field for a solo shot. I still don't understand how Santander hit this ball. It was a 1-2 slider that was well below the knees. And Kevin Brown said it on the broadcast a little bit after the homer. It was actually less than a foot off the ground. Less than a foot off the ground when Santander hit that ball and still drove it out of the ballpark. Couldn't believe it. He hits it out. Then in the eighth inning... He comes up, and he homers again to start what was a big rally in the eighth that we'll get to in a minute. Hit that one 101 off the bat, 370 feet into the flag court for a solo homer to make it 3-0 off Trevor Richards. And while that one was around the knees, the pitch was outside. Like, it was probably a ball on a 93-mile-per-hour fastball, and he somehow just kind of contorted his back and just hooked it down the line for a homer. He's got an interesting swing, but it works at times. And Santander going deep twice to retake the Orioles' homer lead the day he returns to the lineup. 
Third thing you need to know from the Orioles' 7-0 win over the Blue Jays on Wednesday night is that, I mean, it's not an Orioles-Blue Jays game unless Ryan Mountcastle does something good for the Orioles at the plate. Mounty getting the start at DH in the four-hole today and only had the one hit, but it was a big one. RBI single in the third inning off of Gosman that got the Orioles on the board, putting them up one to nothing in this one also drew a walk later in the game and has now extended his on base streak to 28 games which is the longest active streak in the major leagues right now he just continues to swing a red hot bat since coming back from the vertigo issue and of course you know he's still hitting about 400 in his career against the blue jays he kept that up on wednesday night fourth thing you need to know from this one is the jacob webb Yenier Cano, 7th and 8th inning bullpen combination, is all of a sudden just lights out for the Orioles. And although he didn't pitch Wednesday, if you add Felix to that, and then throw in CNL Perez, who didn't throw in this game but has been pitching extremely well, the Orioles have four guys right now where if you get them the lead after five, you could maybe get through the game right now. Let's start with Jacob Webb. Wow, wow, wow. What a waiver claim. By Michael Elias, I mean, really, Eve Rosenbaum is the one who kind of spearheads the waiver claim stuff that she's talked about. I mean, what a job. 1-2-3 inning with a strikeout for Jacob Webb in the seventh, relieving Dean Kramer. Webb casually, since coming over on waivers from the Angels, eight and two-thirds scoreless innings, two hits, 12 Ks, two walks. The dude's ridiculous. Then they go to Yannier Cano, and Cano tosses a 1-2-3 eighth inning to hold him. Remember, this is only a two-run game at these points. He holds a 2-0 Orioles lead. Yannir Cano, after going through some real struggles right out of the All-Star game throughout July, he has figured it out again in August. Cano in August, nine and two-thirds innings pitched, no earned runs allowed, six hits, 11 strikeouts, just one walk. Those two guys are pitching well. They both looked good in the seventh and eighth innings on Wednesday night. Heck, they both looked good Tuesday night, pitching the seventh and eighth innings. And at that point, they were keeping the game tied in what eventually was an Orioles loss. But... Cano seems to be back. Webb seems to be another gem that they've found. Line go up right now on the graph for the Orioles' bullpen at the moment. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 7-0 victory over the Blue Jays on Wednesday is that a huge eighth-inning rally really put this game away for the O's, and it all came off Trevor Richards for Toronto, who came in there, and, and John Schneider, the Blue Jays' manager, just kind of left him out there to take it all in, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Started with the Santander homer that I mentioned to give the Orioles a 3-0 lead, and that was huge. That was a nice little cushion for Felix. But then you're looking at, okay, can we get it to four? Maybe sit Felix down, use another reliever in the ninth inning to keep him fresher. And they just continued to hit the ball. Ryan Mountcastle walks. Ryan O'Hearn punches a single the other way. Then after an Austin Hayes strikeout, there was kind of a weird... Wild pitch, then a throw down the second, went into the outfield, a fourth run scored. Mullins delivers a sack fly, and you're thinking, all right, it's 5 nothing. You know, you empty the bases with two outs. That's a great three-run eighth inning. But they weren't done. Jordan Westberg beat out an infield single, then Ramon Arias singled, then a wild pitch, then a two-run single from Adley Rutschman that he hit 108 off the bat. And all of a sudden, it's 7 nothing from 2 nothing to 7 nothing in the eighth inning. It was huge for two reasons. One getting some breathing room, getting a big inning for this O's offense that's besides that Oakland series really hasn't had a lot of big innings lately. That was huge. And then also, you get to sit down Felix. And, you know, he gets another day off. You bring out Shintaro Fujinami in kind of a low-leverage spot after his struggles. And what does Fujinami do? 
Not only does he allow Felix Bautista to get the day off, not only does he get the three outs he needed, didn't need to be perfect, just needed three outs, and that's what he got. Fujinami strikes out the side and hopefully, hopefully got his confidence back with that outing as well. Five whiffs on seven swings, stuff looked good. He was in the strike zone. It was the top of the Blue Jay order, basically the middle of it, that he struck out as well. All good things. As I mentioned at the top, one of the most complete wins of the season for the O's as they win at 7-0 to even up the series. But I would say really the most surprising part of the Orioles winning this game is the fact that you know they had to scratch their starting pitcher earlier on Wednesday morning. And, and they still got, pitching a day earlier than he thought, six scoreless innings from Dean Kramer. But the reason Kramer did have to pitch is because Jack Flaherty was scratched for kind of some interesting, vague reasons. So we'll get into what his reasoning was for being scratched and where this leaves Flaherty and the Orioles' rotation moving forward. That is coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Bunches. Okay, Locked On Orioles fans, I have to tell you about a new app called Bunches. Bunches is a new app built just for sports fans where you can chat sports in real time. Just click the link right down here in the show notes to join the app or go to the Apple App Store and download Bunches right now. I'm telling you, you're going to love the conversations with other Locked On sports fans. And Bunches, it is the free app where sports fans can chat. Locked On MLB group chat is on Bunches. You can go there now and connect with other baseball fans, chat with your favorite team, and keep up on the MLB news. And listen, you're chatting with other fans of Locked On Orioles and other fans of the other Locked On MLB podcasts. It is a great space to go and just talk baseball. So download the Bunches app today, and when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Locked On MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click the link in the description to join the Locked On MLB Bunch community today. So the Orioles take down the Blue Jays 7-0 on Wednesday night in Game 2 of a three-game set. They have evened up the series and will go for the series win later today. But one of the things that could have held them back in Wednesday's game ended up not really mattering, was the fact that Jack Flaherty was supposed to start Wednesday's game, and then on Wednesday morning, we learned he was scratched from the start. They moved up Dean Kramer one day, and Kramer provides six scoreless innings. Now, it was a little easier for Kramer because the six-man rotation means Kramer was pitching still on regular rest, even though he got moved up a day. But the Flaherty stuff was interesting. You know, the Orioles acquired Jack Flaherty on deadline day. He was the one starting pitcher they went and got from the St. Louis Cardinals. And it's been truly a mixed bag for Flaherty in his three starts with the Orioles. The first one against the Blue Jays, really good. Six innings, one run, eight Ks. Second one against Houston was okay. Five innings, three runs, but also struck out eight. Started off poorly, but kind of finished strong. And then the third one, his last one was a disaster in San Diego. Three innings of seven run ball for Jack Flaherty. And basically what he told the media on Wednesday was he didn't, quote, bounce back from his last start, that start in San Diego, like he usually would or like he would like. And then Brandon Hyde called it general soreness, said it was, you know, soreness that you generally have in between starts but didn't go away like it usually does the day before a start. So that's why they ended up scratching him. And the Orioles said they are unsure when Jack Flaherty will start again. So they didn't really talk about, you know, what the injury was. They also didn't really talk about if he could go on the IL, is it serious? How long they'll push him back? At this point, 10 p.m. here Wednesday night, they haven't even named a starter for Thursday's game. Now, they do have an easy out. Most likely, 
they will just move up Kyle Gibson and kind of start the train of moving guys up. And that's a nice part of the Orioles rolling with a six-man rotation right now. If you have something happen like this where guys to get scratched, you have to skip a start, you can still pitch guys on regular rest or even extra rest while you move them up. Like Kyle Gibson was slated to start Friday night against the Rockies, but if you move him up to the Thursday game against Toronto, not only is he on regular rest, he's still on extra rest because the Orioles have had a couple off days recently. He's still on five days rest, even if he does start today against the Blue Jays. So that's not an initial concern. Now, I know the O's would want to go with the six-man rotation still, and if Flaherty does have to go on the injured list and miss some time, I would think they would probably go back to the five-man rotation for a bit. That would be my guess, just because at least at this very moment, there's not anyone kind of jumping out to join the rotation. I mean, Wells is back to a reliever. John Means still has to make at least one and probably two more rehab starts in AAA before he is ready. So right now, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking at potentially going back to a five-man rotation, but it is, it's vague, and, and you don't really know what to think here because, you know, and all respect to Jack Flaherty, obviously, like he does not have to tell us exactly what's going on. All they got to tell us is he's scratched, he's not feeling great, he didn't bounce back, it's soreness, whatever it is. But this will be something interesting to monitor, and I hope, you know, it's just something very minor that's, that's physical for Jack Flaherty and nothing else is going on. It does make you think because the vagueness of it is something else going on as well. And, and I wish Jack obviously the best. And the O's got him because he's pitched a lot of innings. He's pitched in the postseason. He's a veteran guy who's been around the block and could definitely help this rotation. And despite a little bit of struggles recently, I mean, he can help and will help this Orioles team down the stretch. And they're going to need him in this rotation. So we certainly want to see him back as soon as possible. And it'll be interesting. I mean, you never know. He could still start today. You know, if you're listening to this, maybe the O's have already named their starter. Or he could start Friday or Saturday. It could just be a couple of extra days and then he's back against the Rockies. He could be skipped completely. And then maybe his next time around, you know, next week against the White Sox, he starts. He could also go on the injured list and the O's could go back to the five-man rotation. There's just multiple different things they could do here. And I don't have a lot of information. The information is Flaherty didn't start Wednesday and we're not sure when it's going to happen. That's about it right now. Obviously, I'll keep you updated here on the pod as we get more information about the Jack Flaherty situation. But hope all is good because the Orioles really cannot afford to have another starter go on the injured list right now. I mean, they can still go with the five-man rotation, but the depth behind it until John Means feels he's ready to go is tough, really, at this point. And so we shall see. Just wishing all the best to Jack Flaherty. But couple other pieces of Orioles news and notes to get to here before we finish off the pod. O's made a roster move on Wednesday in their bullpen. Talk about that, why they made the move. And speaking of the bullpen in AAA, a couple of guys who could join the Orioles very soon. Had a couple of nice outings in the Tides win. Talk about that to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper, probably the best place right now to play daily fantasy sports. Because, listen, the Orioles are playing the Blue Jays tonight. Do you think Ryan Mountcastle is going to hit a homer? Because I sure do, because he pretty much does it, it feels like, every time he plays the Jays. Well, on Sleeper, you can swing for the fences with up to 100-time payouts. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like, select more or less on their stat categories like homers, Ks, hits, and more, get your picks right, and you could win Big. 
And there's dynamic payouts on Sleeper. In short, each player projection now has a multiplier attached to it, as opposed to preset multipliers based on the number of legs in a contest. And with these dynamic payouts, also comes more stat categories to place contests on. So really you get higher payouts than other apps with less picks. So use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms used for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. So the Orioles took down the Blue Jays 7-0 on Tuesday night to even up this series at one game apiece. And now the rubber match comes up today, trying to win a series against the Jays. Final game between the Orioles and Blue Jays, at least in the regular season, is coming up tonight. The Orioles kind of dominated this series, right? They are now 9-3 against Toronto this year. And Game 3 tonight is at 7.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Jose Barrios will be the starter for the Toronto Blue Jays in tonight's Game 3. Has had such a bounce-back season. The 29-year-old righty, a 3.39 ERA in 25 starts this year for the Jays. He was good his last time out in Cincinnati. Five and two-thirds scoreless, just one hit, eight Ks. But he did walk four in that one. So we'll see how he looks tonight. Against the Orioles, of course, the O's have seen Barrios multiple times over the years, although they've only seen him once this year. It was at Camden Yards back on June 14th, and Barrios was dominant. Seven and two-thirds scoreless innings with five strikeouts, just three hits allowed. O's hoping to not allow that to happen once again tonight. And then as I mentioned, as I record right now, the Orioles have not named their Thursday starter because it was initially going to be Dean Kramer, but he had to be moved up to Wednesday to replace Jack Flaherty, who was scratched from Wednesday's start. And as I'm recording this right now, I am looking at updates from Rockabaco and just coming across the screen, it will be Kyle Gibson. So Kyle Gibson is going to get the ball in this one for the Orioles. That was kind of the easy move. Again, you move him up one day. He's still pitching on five days rest. That was the easy solution. Gibson is coming off back-to-back kind of rough starts, so hopefully he can smooth things out against the Blue Jays coming up tonight. And you can listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of tonight's Game 3 between the O's and the Jays on the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. So we'll finish off the pod here with just some Orioles news and notes, starting with a roster move that the O's made on Wednesday little bit of a switcheroo in the bullpen. Austin Voth was activated off the injured list in this game. Austin Voth, who hadn't pitched in a while for the Orioles. I mean, remember, he really struggled early in the year, then kind of got into a groove for a while there in May, and then tailed off in his last couple of appearances before going on the IL with an elbow issue. The Orioles kind of said he had felt it initially in spring training, then it went away, then it came back. He just hadn't been right all year. Now, he did avoid surgery, but the O's felt like they just needed to shut him down. That was the best thing to do. So Voth went on the injured list, and it, it was a long wait for Voth. I mean, he ended up on the 60-day IL, so eventually he was taken off the 40-man roster. Now, Keegan Aiken, who is still out with an injury, he was transferred to the 40-man roster, or excuse me, to the 60-day IL, taken off the 40-man. That left room for Voth. But Voth, who has not pitched since June 13th for the Orioles this season in the big leagues after... Spending, you know, really all of last year as a starter after coming over from the Nats and having a great year. Was moved with Penn this year. 23 appearances out of the Oriole bullpen. 31 innings, a 4.94 ERA, and a 5.43 FIP for both this season. 35 hits allowed in 31 innings with 31 Ks, 14 walks, and 6 home runs 
for Austin Both, who didn't have a whole lot of success for stretches this year. Really, his best stretch was like throughout May until the very end of May. He was pretty good through May. He's got the good breaking balls, the solid fastball. He's got the stuff to be a successful reliever. He just hasn't really put it all together for a long enough stretch yet. Now, on his rehab assignment, and the reason, one of the reasons why he was called up is because his rehab assignment was about to end. You know, you can only do 30 days on a rehab assignment. And the O's had to make a decision on him because he does not have minor league options. He is out of options. So if the O's want to get rid of him, they would have to DFA him. And most likely, another team would probably claim both just because he's still not super old and, and the stuff is really good. Like those breaking balls, the data on the breaking balls are elite. And that is why the O's claimed him in the first place. And that's why he's still in this organization. But on rehab, 11 and a third innings, 12 hits, 5 runs, 16 Ks, 5 walks, and a homer between AA and then mostly AAA on the rehab. So not terrible from Austin Voth. But, you know, the other thing is he replaces Mike Bauman, who gets option to AAA Norfolk. Bauman going down for the first time this year and has spent the entire year in the bullpen until now. But it's been a little rough lately. We talked about this mostly on yesterday's episode after Bauman just got bludgeoned, gave up three runs, took the loss in the top of the 10th against the Blue Jays on Tuesday night. But last six appearances for Bauman, six innings, four runs, nine hits, only three Ks to one walk. Just a lot of stuff in the middle of the plate, not missing a lot of bats. He has options, both doesn't. At their best, the two of them are similar pitches. I would probably give Bauman a little edge over Austin Voth. But the reason why you make this move is, okay, you grade them out similarly as middle relievers, Voth and Bauman. Voth needs to be activated, and you don't want to DFA him quite yet because he's out of options. Bauman has options, so you can just send him down to AAA. And with Bauman's struggles lately, he could definitely use a two-week reset in AAA. I certainly expect Mike Bauman to be back at some point in September, but I think he could definitely use that reset. So that's why they went with Austin Voth, and I saw a lot of people freaking out. Why are we going to Austin Voth? Austin Voth's been so bad, blah, blah, blah. Listen, Austin Voth is a short-term stopgap. Now, if he comes back and is, like, dominant in his, you know, three, four appearances out of the Orioles bullpen. That's great. You know, it gives the Orioles more good problems to have. Maybe they start thinking about Voth for the September bullpen. But in reality, if he's just okay, or if he's even bad over a couple of outings, you will have ample opportunity to basically DFA him or potentially put him back on the injury list because a couple of guys are going to be back very, very soon who you're going to want on this roster. And that's what we'll get to next. Those guys who are coming back, they can easily replace Voth in a couple of days. He's just a stopgap to give him one more chance to see if he's gotten healthy with the elbow and can pitch a little better. But those guys that are coming back, one is John Means. He will make a rehab start Friday, according to Dan Connolly originally in AAA Norfolk, getting moved up. And then Andy Costco, the Baltimore Banner, wrote about it on Wednesday, saying it looks like it's going to be a 75 pitch count for him Friday. He threw 57 pitches. In his last double-A start, so there's a good progression. They're going to try to get him through five innings. Another guy who will be back soon, potentially to join the bullpen, is Tyler Wells. Wells, who was promoted from double-A to triple-A earlier this week, and they are now going to use him out of the bullpen strictly as a reliever in triple-A, which basically means if slash when Wells gets back to the majors this year, it's not going to be as a starter. He will be in the bullpen for the rest of the year for the Orioles when he gets back up. That's what I thought they should have done. I talked about it multiple times on the pod when they initially demoted him to double-A after he was just looking tired and struggling coming out of the All-Star break. That, to me, is the right move for Tyler Wells. He pitched a scoreless eighth inning in Norfolk's 3-1 win on Wednesday night, his first relief outing back in Norfolk. 
One hit, no runs, no Ks, no walks. 14 pitches. Fastball was 92 to 93, touch 94. Mixed in the cutter, the changeup, and the slider in those 14 pitches. I'll continue to kind of watch and, and monitor how Tyler Wells does in the bullpen down there. And then the other guy who could be here soon is, is D.L. Hall. Kind of seems like the prime candidate to be the September 1st extra roster edition when the rosters go from 26 to 28 players. You can add one more pitcher. Seems like it's going to be, or at least there's a good chance it could be D.L. Hall. He ended up with the save in the ninth inning in the 3-1 win for Norfolk on Wednesday night. Scoreless hitting, no hits, three strikeouts, those were the good things. Two walks, those were the not-so-good things, but fastball was up to 98. Stuff looked good, got a little erratic at times, but overall positive appearance for D.L. Hall, who continues to really put together some positive stuff in the AAA Norfolk bullpen. So there's three guys who all could help your pen, potentially one of them means who could even help your rotation at some point in September. And it's all kind of coming together, right? Hall, Wells, Means, maybe back soon. And the bullpen kind of clicking. Talked about Webb, talked about Cano. Felix has been great. Perez has been great. Things are starting to click a little bit for this Orioles team right now. Offense woke up a little bit on Wednesday night. It's coming together. And hopefully they can bring it together for a series win on Thursday against the Blue Jays. But either way... I'll be back with you tomorrow, Friday episode, to finish out the week, recapping the final game of the series between the O's and the Jays. I'll get you ready and preview the three-game weekend series between the Orioles and just a pitiful Colorado Rockies team and get you any Orioles news and notes in between as well. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.